I'm Michael Alcoholic, and um, I'm going to start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your spiritual truth. Heavenly Father, help us today to carry your message and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, for those on the podcast, I'm injured today and uh, had some skin surgeries yesterday, but I'm like Mahone's in the fourth quarter, running down the field, and uh, he made the first down, didn't he? Right? 26 yards. 26 yards, there you go. <laughs> and I did have a spirit, that was a spiritual experience suddenly, I must admit. And uh, the best was when I had paused the game, my wife can't sit and watch it with me, I have issues, she says. And uh, so she's upstairs, she usually doesn't watch, and. I paused it just to go out and get something from the refrigerator, and I hear her yelling upstairs, go, go, go. <laughs> and I ran back, and that was the putt return. And, uh, anyway, we'll get back to AA now. Um, we are at the point where we are really looking at the things that destroy us, the things of no value in our life, in our mind, as a result of a life on self-will. And unless we can recognize them, we're on page 64, unless we can recognize them and face and be rid of them, they're going to continue to destroy us. And we can't, we can't lie about them. We have to see the truth about them so we can face and be rid of them. And the fourth step is the beginning of your movement towards God and God's direction and God's removing the things that are blocking you so he can be your director. And the number one killer is resentment. And if you don't believe that, turn on the TV. Look at the way people interact. Uh, watch how people treat each other. Uh, Stu and I have been listening this, to scripture and um, uh, we start on the book of James, which in AA in the beginning was instrumental they, they studied that book and they studied Sermon on the Mount. And the book of James is how to live a useful life, how to live a useful life and not, and, and practice the principles that Christ talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. They're very closely interchanged. And so that's what we're trying to do in AA. We're trying to practice God's character, not our own and to be loving and kind and tolerant, considerate, compassionate at all times. And we won't be that way if we're in self. Now we're doing the fourth step for those people who are new, we're learning uh, principles that I need to apply today. And we had Julie discuss her Uber situation a couple weeks ago and that's something we all go through. And we can't act when we're in the self and we're in resentment, we can't act on it. We're gonna do harm to others and to ourselves. The next thing that we're gonna inventory when we're done with resentment is fear. But fear is tied into all of our resentments. And let's see if we can see that today. So fear is the, is the center of our existence. And the reason we are in fear, and somebody texted me this morning, their life is a mess, 
at the end of the line, blah, 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 and he's full of fear. And we're going to be full of fear if we're in self because we're running the world. And the problem is the world doesn't have the script that I wrote for it. Anybody else? We'll get chairs. They'll get fine chairs. The chair's in the other room. Um, we're in the middle of the hallway today for those on the podcast. They, uh, they're having something at the church. If you're in self, you're not going to like the way things are run, and you're going to get f fearful, and then you'll get angry. All right, we had a pause because we had some issues, <laughs> chair issues. All right, so seriously, this resentment, and people don't know what resentment is. There, there are several forms of resentment. In the fourth step, we're looking at those deep-seated resentments, like I hate my mother and I'm not going to talk to her anymore, or uh, my brother-in-law did this, and I'm never going to talk to him or forgive him, or my wife did this, or ex-wife. These are really important negative emotions that block you from any relationship with God. And you can look through your whole life, and you can see a lot of them. And then the, but resentment for me today is that hopefully I'm rid of all those deep ones because I did my fourth step. But every day we have to practice the principles that we're going to learn today in dealing with anger is whenever I'm irritated or impatient or intolerant or judgmental. Because resentment is just wrong judgment towards something, someone or something that makes you have a negative emotion towards them. And I think it's a resentment if it lasts more than 20 seconds. I just made that up. But if it stays in your head and you keep it there, now that's a choice, and you're going to be disturbed. And I'm looking around the table and I've seen people who have changed a lot from when they first came in. And then we have to continue to change because we wake up self-centered. And then we have a plan for the world and we have to stop and ask God to direct us. But the prayer at, at 8 in the morning isn't going to help me at 11 o'clock. And I'm going to start, I'll be bothered by the way I see something. And then why? Because I'm back in me. Because I don't like what I'm seeing. And then when you do that, you have wrong judgment. You're in fear. And then we took a lot of bad actions. Anybody do that through the years? And we harmed others. And we hurt people we loved. So it says resentment's the number one offender against a relationship with God. It's, it's the major sin. Fear is the result of being blocked and the, the resentment is the, is the sinful thinking which leads to sinful actions. And there are people, I'm getting off tangent, but there are people in church who judge other church members. Have you ever noticed? And I'm a better Christian than that one because their sins are really bad. Well, I heard somebody who I really respect say, we all sin all the time because we're not thinking of the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind all the time. We're thinking about ourselves. Anybody do that? Anybody do it in the last three minutes, you see? 
And so we do that. And, and, but we have a power now with a relationship with God where we don't have to s stay in it. And the power that we get from God is we can see it. Remember it says we watch for selfishness, resentment, dishonesty, and fear. When these crop up, I'm not watching with Michael anymore. I'm watching with God. When I'm watching with Michael and Michael's glasses, it's, it's, it's just bad. And when I'm watching with God, it's good. So what do we do? We get a new pair of glasses in the beginning in step four. And then every day we have to put on a new pair of glasses. And the new pair of glasses we get in step four is we can see now our life run on self-will. And we're going to see it because we're going to put it down on paper. We're going to list our resentments, our fears, and our harmful conduct in relationships. And we talked about it from it stems all forms of spiritual disease. And it says we've been not only mentally and physically ill, we've been spiritually sick. And I went over that last week. But it says when the spiritual malady is overcome, not when you stop drinking. A lot of people think you stop drinking or using and then you're okay. Well, no. That means you stop the treatment that you use for your spiritual malady and you're left with the spiritual malady. A lot of people come to AA for a while and don't realize that. Because we talk about a lot about not drinking. But what we need to talk about is not thinking. I just made that up, and that's good. Because really our problem is that, what do we read in the preamble? A desire to not drink. Well, we need a desire not to think. Because our thinking is wrong. Now, I'm being serious because my thinking is what makes me see things wrong, and I have to have my thinking aligned with who? God, not with Michael. And so, but when we straighten out the spiritual malady, we straighten out mentally and physically. We don't have to worry about alcohol anymore if we're, the spiritual, if we're with God. And we straighten out mentally because with God, I can see things through his eyes. But I can only do that if I use this, the principles in step four, because I'm going to continue to see things wrong, and I have to admit them to myself right away with God's help. That's what step four means. Step 10, when we have our mistakes, we admit them, and it's not that and we make amends, but our mistakes are our thinking. And if we don't have wrong thinking, we won't have to make amends because we won't take harmful actions. And it says on page 85, if we're in fit spiritual condition, we'll stop fighting everybody and everything. We'll react normally towards alcohol and we'll have a life of purpose and service. But in step four, you're not in fit spiritual condition. You don't even know what to do. And so that's why you have to follow the, I believe you have to follow these instructions. And they work for me, and if you do them, let me know if they work for, do, for you. It says, in dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. So we get a notebook, and you have paper, and you have a pen. Now, you don't do the four-step in your head. And you don't do it by talking over coffee. Because that's just not the way it's done. It has to come out of here on paper so you can see it. And you do it, and you do it, and have someone go through it with you so they can look at what you're writing and see if it's really true. And once it's on paper, you can't take it back. So what do you want to put on paper? It says, 
and these are very complicated instructions, right? You're going to write something on paper. Two, you're going to list people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. So, we're going to set something on paper. And what are we going to put on paper? So column one is people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. Notice the, it's going to be past tense because they're looking back. They're giving you the instructions. And uh, if you don't know, I've heard people don't have resentment. They tell me they never get angry. I've heard people tell me that. And I look at them, and you know what my immediate thought is? I want an exchange transfusion of their blood. Get rid of me. Give me them. But I've talked to a few of the spouses of people who've told me that, and they make interesting expressions when I tell them that their husband said they were never angry. And you know what it must be? Either one, people don't want to admit it because they don't want to feel like they're not good enough, or two, they can't see it. It's like fish in water because you live your whole life in fear and anger. And so if you have any question, think about your parents and any of your siblings and see if you were ever angry at them or they bothered you. Then if you're married, put her down or him and then any of her brothers or sisters. And then if, you, if you're still at a loss, look at anybody you've ever worked with, anybody that you went to school with. And you can go back through your whole life and you can see this pattern. And you don't have to list everyone. You don't need 200 names. Somebody sent me a nice comment that they worked on their list for a year. And they're sponsoring somebody now and they don't know how long. And then I had one sponsor who wanted to go through all of their employment records so they could make sure they didn't miss a name. It's not the number, because the pattern's the same over and over. But there are people that really have bothered you that you're really still really angry at. You need to put them on the list, because you have to learn how to forgive them so they don't have power over you. But you need to see how each day you give power to someone, how you're impatient or you're intolerant or you're judging. But in the beginning, I'd say 20, 25 names. Any more than that, it's just self-centeredness, you know, it, because you just want to see the pattern. But you have to put the big names down because you're going to, you don't want those people, if they're recurring in your mind or when you think about them, you have a really negative feeling, that has to be gone. Don't tell me, oh, I forgave them. No, you put the name down and you put, and you list them. And it could be you don't like the IRS or you don't like the police force. You don't like the school system. I didn't like St. Francis Hospital. They were stupid. Well, they were, but uh, uh, I can't change that. I'm being silly, but if you work for an institution, some people don't like the government. Republicans don't like the Democrats. Democrats don't like the Republicans. Some people don't like either. If you have strong negative feelings, put them down. Because these negative feelings are going to show you how they have power over you. Resentment is where you give power to something. You make whatever you're angry at your higher power. Now, is, does it make sense if you have somebody at work that pisses you off? And you go home and you're pissed at them and they're home watching TV. 
Now, who's, who's, who's going to be bothered by that? See, I've given them power in my mind, and then they dominate me. And can God work in that time? How many people drank when they were a little upset? It's a pattern. So you learned when you were younger, and you may be young, but I'm old, when you were younger that alcohol fixed that. I had this feeling of, of emptiness, something was missing. And then when I had that, that first beer when I was 17 at Duke, I wanted a second one right away. And it tasted terrible. But I immediately wanted a second one. And then I couldn't wait for the next Saturday when we had the keg, and then of course I threw up. But I forgot the throwing up, and I was looking forward to the next one. It did something. It filled that hole. It gave me something artificial that fixed the spiritual illness. But it stopped working. Did it stop working for anything? And then eventually it has power over us, so we're obsessed with it, and, and we, can't, we can't break the cycle. But it starts with this fear and resentment. So you're going to list the number, the people, and then you're going to ask yourself why you were angry. What was the cause? What did they do? Mother didn't give me enough attention. Didn't tell me she loved me enough. Liked, uh, told me other kids were better than me. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Seems real when you write them down. Or dad. Or the ex-wife or ex-husband, those are always good. Or your present relationship, there's always something about them that they're not doing, meeting your needs. Write it down, but keep it simple. Keep it short. The example in the book, they just wrote three or four things. And we don't want to like a two pages on your ex-wife. That, that's not going to help you. Because the bottom line is, the person that you have two pages on is not as bad as you thought they were. In fact, they may not be bad at all. You may be seeing them wrong. So that's the second column. That's not hard, is it? Now, Joe and Charlie make the point, and it probably makes sense, that you do the names first. You fill the pages with the names. Then you write down what, what they did or what you think they did. Now, a lot of times you don't like somebody because you don't think they like you or you think they're better than you, or some nonsense. I, I've done that. Has anybody else done that? Am I the only crazy one here? Uh, well, I may be the only crazy one here. Nobody answered that right away. All right, and so you do that. And then here's the key, which I never knew. It says, in most cases, and this is what they call the third column, it was found that my self-esteem my pocketbook, my ambitions, my personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. Fear, hurt, pride, pride and fear, threatened. Now, why is my pride always threatened? Because I think all alcoholics, I can't say for sure, but what my observation of myself is that I had low self-esteem from when I was a little kid. Low self-esteem, worried about what people thought, how I was reflected, how I would be seen in other people's eyes. And because of that, I developed this excessive pride to protect myself from this, this, this child who wasn't good enough. 
And so my self-esteem is low. When you're angry, your self-esteem is always threatened. If you're waiting too long in line at the food store, you get upset. Why? Because your self-esteem's threatened because you're, I'm Michael the Magnificent, I shouldn't have to wait. It sounds crazy, doesn't it? And then you have excessive pride to protect you. And then it says your ambitions, your ambitions for what you think you need, your ambitions for your social life, sex life, material life. And your personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. So we were sore, we were burned up. I'm sorry, we're in the middle of the church and there are people are walking back and forth. So, but I'm gonna go on, is that okay? Yes. All right, so we were sore. We were burned up. I'm burned up because of what I think somebody else did. You see the terminology? I hadn't seen that before. They put these words in it, I guess, last night. So we're sore, and I was burned up. Think about it. I'm, I'm being consumed by my anger. And so it, they call it a grudge list. We set opposite each name our injuries. And I have that handout, which I didn't bring, which shows self at the center, the three instincts of life, social, material, sexual, and how if you're in self and you're running your life, you're gonna have wrong judgment, which is resentment, wrong belief, which is fear, and wrong actions, which is shame and guilt. You see it? And that's what we're gonna inventory. So on my grudge list, I said opposite each name, my injuries. Was it my self-esteem, my security, my ambitions, my personal or sex relationships, which had been interfered with? Now, I didn't understand this, that when I'm getting angry at somebody, it's because I'm threatened in some way. Somebody at work does something. Well, I'm not good enough, and then I have to get mad at them, or somebody makes a mistake. Anybody ever make a mistake that you worked with? Ah, oh, and because we take it personally. Like they woke up in the morning and they decided to make a mistake at 11 o'clock so I could be upset. Is that a little self-centered? Is that a little grandiose? And so I wrote here, don't mess with me in my book. We should have a sign. If you're an active alcoholic, don't mess with me. Don't mess with what I think I need for my social, you know, what I need for my ambitions. What I need materially to be okay. What I need in my relationships and sex relationships. Here's some examples. Can we go through these? See if they make sense. Mr. Brown, he, he, was, he hated Mr. Brown. Why? He gave attention to his wife. Well, that makes sense, right? Told my wife of my mistress. How dare he? I mean, really, this guy needs to be executed. Brown may get my job at the office. Now, it makes sense. He should be mad at the guy. Now, why? Because it affects his sex relation, and they put self-esteem and pride, and then fear is next to self-esteem, and his security. Just a few, simple. Now, what's, so then we're going to learn how to see Mr. Brown differently. But let, let's do that right now. Why is he seeing Mr. Brown wrong? Well, he may be paying attention to my wife because I'm never home, or I'm drunk, or I'm with my mistress. 
and he may get my job at work because I'm not there. You see how it's, you, when you look at him and you've done this a while, Mr. Brown is really not as bad as he thought he was. Mr. Brown is just a human being and these things may seem true, but did I have a part, what was my mistake? What was the mistake in my thinking? And, and then I'll just do employer, unreasonable, unjust, overbearing threatens to fire me for drinking. What's wrong with this guy? And for padding my expense account. So I hate this guy, he's so mean to me. Isn't that ridiculous? But we've all thought this way, and it, of course it affects his self-esteem, security, social fear and pride. And what's the, re the, the real truth of this is that I'm drunk and I'm a bad employee and I'm stealing from him. But we wanna shift blame to someone else because of what we've done, and that's what resentment is. And we're shifting blame, shifting blame to Mr. Brown for what I have done, shifting blame to the employer. And then you're, we're gonna learn prayers to change how we see these people on the next two pages, and then of course his wife. Misunderstands me, <laughs> nags me, likes Brown. What's the house put in her name? What's wrong with this woman? And, and it, of course, it affects his pride, his personal relations, his security. And what's the truth of it? She, she's, she's suffering. She's living with an active alcoholic who's cheating on her. You get it? I can't tell you how many people I've worked with who are 30 or 60 days sober. They've dragged for 10 years, let's say. And they don't understand why the wife isn't all lovey-dovey. And she's not forgiving, and she just keeps living in the past or whatever. I said, excuse me, look what you did to this woman. Look how you treated her for years. Fell asleep on the couch when you were supposed to be babysitting. Passed out with young kids. Don't show up for things. Lie. They're not going to change right away. And they talk about that on page 83 and 84 when we're making amends to the family. So um, we went back through our lives, so that's what you do. Nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. I don't think a list of five names is adequate. You won't be able to see the pattern. You have to look back and see. I still, the counselors at summer camp, they didn't pick me for the all-star team. And it just devastated me, because I thought everybody at the camp looked at me and said, loser. I was a loser, because they didn't pick me. The truth of the matter that I've learned from doing inventory is that I wasn't as good as the other players. And that they didn't think it was a big deal. They just picked somebody. They didn't pick me. And, and, but you see how I carried that my whole life? There are other little things like that from child. This is before I ever drank. And so, you want to be thorough and honest, but you're not writing a uh, Wikipedia, okay? Because at some point it goes from analysis to then justifying or self-importance, how many resentments I had. But you want to have the big ones because you don't want people that you're going to be seeing and interacting with to have negative emotions anymore because you want to learn how to be kind and loving to them. 
It says, when we finish, we consider it carefully. So the instructions for the fourth step is not to do some long handout on the internet. Now that may be good and may work, but in AA it's very simple. You make three columns and then you consider them carefully. The first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong, right? They wronged me, they were quite wrong. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us got. Now, didn't you think most of your resentments were true? I mean, when I think most people when they come in, at least I did, I had a list of about a few people that caused all my problems in life. And they were really bad. Now, unfortunately, after doing the fourth step, I realized I had to make amends to them. And that I caused my own problems. But I couldn't see that when I came in. And now we're going to see the, the truth of what we read on pages 62, that I, my problems were of my own making. And they arrived out of me. And I was an extreme example of self-will-run riot. So how do you see that? You do three columns. How hard is that? Some people spend a lot of time thinking about the fourth step. Or they're talking about, and I think one of the problems is that their sponsors probably never done this like this because we've gotten away from it. And we have like, you do four steps in treatment and they have these long handouts and you write a lot of stuff. I, I have no opinion on that. I just know that this worked for me. To conclude that others was wrong as, as far as most of us got. And then if that's true, the usual outcome is that they continued to wrong us in my mind and I stayed sore. Now, if I stayed sore at someone, remember, they're my higher power. I've made a decision for God to be my director, right? And he's to run my life. Now, he can't do that if these people are my higher power. Now, alcoholics don't like negative emotions, do they? So they drink to, to treat their emotions. Remember, they get irritable, restless, and discontent. And at some point, they uh, make decisions based on self and harm others. So it says, sometimes it was remorse, and then we were sore at ourselves. The more we fought and tried to have our way, the worse matters got as in war the victor only seemed to win, but I was really losing. My moments of triumph were short-lived. And what was my triumph? That I could look down on people or I could think badly about them? And, and then we'll end with these two sentences. It's plain, it should be plain when you've written this out, that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. And it leads to a hopeless condition of mind and body, which is what we have. And it, we're futile and unhappy. We can't have any value. And here's the key thing, to the precise extent, now notice the words, precise extent that I permit these. I talked to somebody yesterday, they called me up and they were angry and they wanted to stay angry and this and that. I said, what's well, a choice? They said, well, I choose to be angry. I said, well, how's that working for you? To the precise extent that I permit these. So, okay, that I continue to stay angry. 
I squandered the hours that were worthwhile. I wasted my whole life in fear and resentment. And then um, I'm just going to read this, but not comment. We'll go start here next week. But with the alcoholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. Can you look up infinitely grave this week? We found that it is fatal. For when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns when we drink again. And with us, the drink is to die. They're threatening your life here. Okay, so I'll pick up with that next time.